Well, I am incredibly glad that you are here. Welcome to the chaos that is family. Uh, We consider deeply this place to be a family. Um, And you'll see that depicted here in a bit as we dedicate these seven children and and their families. And we really say as a community that we're here together um, under the banner in the name of Jesus to press forward with this life called the life of faith to know and love Jesus more. And so uh, if you have a Bible, I want to encourage you to turn to Joshua chapter 3. Um, for those of you that have kids, um, this is going to be a great, uh, just a reminder, because uh, we're like two weeks into the summer, right? Like, how's that going? Kids are like, awesome. Um, but, but really, um, I say that as a joke, but not really like, because this morning, really a, a big part of what we're going to do this morning is be reminded of what is the mission we have as the church to invest in the next generation, to invest in those that um, are coming up underneath our discipleship. And so uh, in Joshua chapter 3, if you have a Bible, um, you can turn there. If not, uh, I'll also have it up on the screen. But I want to give you a little bit of background to this passage because this is a phenomenal story about the power of God. And so um, God's people have have been doing what God's people do best, um, walking in rebellion, so if you're new to the church, can we just say that we're open and honest here about the fact that we often rebel against God and don't want to do anything that God wants us to do, but God's grace and God's mercy is him drawing us back and reminding us that he's faithful more than we are. And so, um, so God's, God's made some promises way back, if you're familiar with the story of Abraham, um, to Moses, and now to Joshua, where God's saying, I'm going to lead you to glory, Grapes bigger than your head, it's called the promised land, it's the land of Canaan. He makes this promise that I'm going to lead my people there, but here's what, here's what God's people did. Is they determined that they had a better way, and they, they knew better, and they decided to, to try to go their own way, and in going their own way, what happened? What could have taken a couple weeks to get there took years and years and years and years. Maybe you can identify with that in your own life, I know I can and so they're traveling, and God's like, I'm going to get you to the promised land. And they, they raise up this guy named Joshua, and they come to this, this place where the like, it's almost like they can see the promised land, but all of a sudden there's a problem because there's a massive river right in the way. And this roadblock that they, how are they going to cross this river? And I want to go to uh, Joshua 3, and I want you to hear this. And Joshua said, this is verse 10. Here is how you shall know that the living God is among you and that he will without fail drive out from before you the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Perizzites, the Gushanites, the Amorites, the whatever sites. The... And they're like superhero names. It's like a perfect text for a child dedication because those are like superhero names. Keep going. Sorry for the distraction. Behold, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth is passing over before you into the Jordan. Now, therefore, take 12 men from the tribe of Israel, from each tribe a man. And when the soles of the feet of the priests bearing the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, shall rest in the waters of the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan shall be cut off from flowing, and the waters coming down from above shall stand in one heap. So here's the promise that God makes is that, I'm going to see you through what you think is an obstacle. It's 
incredibly powerful to remember in this journey forward. And what do we know? If, you're, if, you're, if you have church background and familiar with the story, we go down to verse 17, and it, and it literally says that, that God parted the waters, made a wall of the water, and they, they crossed on dry ground. Dry ground. And so um, I want to use this story to frame up just three quick things about how do we actually invest in and disciple the next generation, which really is a picture of what, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, what your own discipleship should look like and your own growth and maturity in the Lord. And so the first thing we see in this passage is the faithfulness of God. Like, God, when God makes a promise, he fulfills always. And if we don't think that's true then we don't know God. And where I don't think that's true, I don't know God, the God of the Bible. But, um, and so as we think about the kids that are being dedicated today, and even all the kids that are in your life, your role in pursuing Christ is that we would saturate our kids with the faithfulness of God. We're so good at saturating our kids with like, straighten up. Why'd you spill your cereal? Come on, get it together. Like we're so good at that. But what we see in this passage is that there's, there's a faithfulness of who God is. And we've got to saturate our kids with that. So about a, a month ago or two, I was having this conversation with my wife. It wasn't really a conversation. It was a rant where I was complaining. I was complaining to my wife um, just about how life wasn't good. And I, I just wasn't happy about something. I remember with the specifics. But I was complaining. And she stopped me in the middle of my conversation wasn't a conversation. I was just kind of yelling at her, not about her, but about me. She stopped me. She looked me in the eye and she said, what do you want God to do for you? And I laughed. She didn't. And she smiled. And as, as lovingly as she does so well, she rebuked me. And she says, how do you want God to make you happy? And she just began to lovingly remind me, God's faithful. Like, what do you want him to do? He's doing everything you need. And two of the kids that my wife and I will dedicate today are a direct testimony of the faithfulness of God in, in our family. And we can look at every single story, but of the faithfulness of God. And listen, as we, as we pour into kids We've got, we've got to surround them with the fact that God's faithful. The faithfulness of God in the past, but also parents cling to that going forward. Like you cling, like that's all we have. If you're putting your faith in the fact that you came to church today, you're in trouble. Because it's not in that, it's in the faithfulness of God. Because here, listen to how this is depicted um, going to Joshua 4. And Joshua said to them, pass on before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of the Jordan. I just love this. And take up each of you a stone upon his shoulder, according to the number of the tribes of the people of Israel, that this may be a sign among you. Listen, look at what it says. When your, chi- when your children ask in time to come. What, what do these stones mean? Like, Dad, you got these stones like right in the way. They're in the hallway. I keep tripping over them. What do these stones mean? 
Verse 7, then you, then you shall tell them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it passed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. So these stones shall be to the people of Israel a memorial forever. This was to be the very means by which the people of God celebrated the work of God. Because we so often forget how incredible God is. Because we're so wrapped up in our little situations. And as we invest in our own lives, but also the younger generation, what we're doing is we have to draw them back. Listen, what are your memorial stones? How are you? What are are the events in your life? What are the ways you're celebrating? Here's who God is. Here's how great God is. Because here's what this does is it changes the measuring stick. Right? It changes it from, from failure to the fact that God's, God's enough. Okay? From, I gotta, I gotta measure up. Like, these kids, they gotta measure up to the fact that God, God's the provision of the measurement met in Jesus Christ. Okay? From failure to God's provision. From being a, a high-demanding parent or grandparent to the fact that God, as a parent, I'm to model his character. And to model who he is. Listen, if you want to set kids free, rest them in the faithfulness of God more than you rest them in the fact that they're supposed to act a certain way. That'll set them free. And I believe it'll set you free as well. Listen, teach your daughters that the standard isn't that you have to pursue beauty. That they have to measure up in that category. Your athletes, that they have to measure up and be the best. Because listen, the truth is that you'll never be the best. And that's enough. That's okay. But I want to continue in, in chapter 4. Because the, the, the language changes to this picture of the hand, the, God's hand being mighty. Look at verse 4. Or verse 21. And he said to the people of Israel, When your children ask their fathers in time to come, What do these stones mean? Then you shall let your children know Israel passed over this Jordan on dry ground. I would just love that conversation. Love to hear how that conversation played out with the Israelite children. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan for you until you passed over, as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up for us until we passed over, so that all the people of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty. Who do your kids think is mighty? Mine are all into superheroes, and as they get older, they begin to see figures in culture that are famous. They begin to idolize them and want to be like them, and they see power and might, and they gravitate towards them. Listen, how can we be a people who proclaim the fact that God is mighty? I'm not saying not let them run to those things or find joy and and happiness and fun in those things, but that God is the one who's mighty. Because notice the legacy. Like If you you saw the passage, what what did it refer to? Not only that God's might in, in the Jordan River, but what else did he part? The Red Sea, right? God's might in parting the Red Sea. There's a legacy here. Right, So this isn't just like one generation, this isn't just like my conversation, but it's like who's gone before me and who's gone before dad and then grandpa and then great grandpa. There's to be a legacy of faithfulness declaring the might of God 
all the time. When, you, when, you, when you're with your kids, grab them, put your arm around them and say, do you see God here? You see how great God is here? You see how faithful God is here? But more often than not, we're complaining about why did you, you do this or why did you do that? Or We miss God's faithfulness and that allows us to rest, but also God's might that allows us to press in because here's the truth that we know. How many of you believe lies sometimes? Like, this is who God is, or this is who I am, or this is who I'm supposed to be. Gosh, how much more? Little ones. And our job is to surround them with a God who's enough. Like, that's what they need. That's their hope. That's their mission to go to the world and say, there's a God that's enough. And he, he, here's, here's what I want to challenge you with, is that so often, and, and I, hate, I, I hate this as a parent, because so often I, I want to be this guy who says, like, dad's enough. Like, dad's perfect. Dad's the hero. Dad's the one who parents great. And I don't want to be the guy that is honest about the fact that I struggle and I wrestle with my faith and I wrestle with walking with Jesus and I wrestle with being the good dad and good husband and good pastor and good person that I need to be. Listen, you want to show your kids that God is mighty? Enter into them as a fellow struggler. Wrestle with them as a, like, we're weak people. Like, we're not perfect parents. We're not perfect grandparents. We're not perfect at investing in the next generation. We're not. Be honest about that. And show them that the real hero isn't dad, but really is pointing to the good father who is the perfect one. You don't have to always be the right answer or always be the perfect one. God is. That's how he intended it. That's who he's to be. Lead them to that. Convince them more of his might than just to obey better. Then look at how the passage ends in verse 24. It says, So that the people of all the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty, that you may fear the Lord your God forever. Here's what's crazy about this. is There's a whole lot of instances and pictures about this idea of fearing God, right? Listen, here's what the passage is talking about. That in leading our kids to fear God, it's that we'd get to the place where we we lead them to be in awe of who he is. Right? Because there's going to come a day when it's like, just like you have and just like I have, where we begin to want, like, do, do I need God? Like, what does he offer me? Is he good enough? We begin to believe these lies. And if we ingrain in the next generation the fact that God is awesome and God is mighty. It's like we look at creation and we live in all of creation, right? You ever been to some of those amazing places around the world and we live in all of those things? But what do those things point to? They will point to him. They point to the creator. And we've got to actually lead our kids, which, can I tell you something? Is a work of the spirit of God. As you pray over them, and invest in them. You're begging God. You're begging God. God, show them your might. God, show them how awesome you are. Do you pray that way over your kids? Because here's the thing. 
when the Israelites were getting ready to cross the Jordan River, what was the instruction that Joshua gave them about who they were to follow or what they were to follow? This thing called the Ark of the Covenant. And here's what the Ark of the Covenant is. It's a picture of the holiness of God, the perfection of God, but it depicted right relationship with God that happened through the shedding of blood and it pointed to the sacrifice of Jesus Christ that makes right what's wrong. That's what it, that's what it depicted. But when they crossed the river, the text specifically says, follow the ark. Follow it. That that's your guide. That's the, that's the path that you take. Listen, we've got to lead our kids to follow Jesus. Like in every aspect of life, not just on Sunday morning, not just in Sunday school, not just in religious talk, but in every arena, in every facet of life where Jesus is present, we see his power and his might. In Joshua chapter 3, verse 5, it says, Joshua said to the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. He was speaking about the crossing of the Jordan. This is our task, that we would lead our kids to be in awe of God, that they would learn to worship and know and love Him. So my kids, my kids are getting old enough where they're beginning to recognize um, scenery around, uh, around town. And so as we, as we begin to, uh, we'll, we'll go somewhere and uh, they'll see something they recognize. Well, one, one, of their, one of the favorite places, one of the things they absolutely love is, uh, is going to my parents' house. Now, my parents live about 35 minutes away, which for a kid is, Daddy, are we there yet? Daddy, are we there yet? Are we almost there yet? Okay. But for, for my kids, there's a sign. Now, it doesn't have words. It doesn't say Nanny Peepaw's house this way. But it's when we make one of the final turns, there's a white picket fence all the way down the right side of the road that goes about a half mile or so. And when my kids see that fence, I'm not even lying, they get so excited. Mikhail, Mikhail, you see, the f- there's a fence, there's a fence. Ecstatic. Because they know they're almost there. Listen, I think it's our job as those who invest in the next generation is that we tangibly have white picket fences in our lives that draw affection and angst for the the beauty of God. But more than that, listen, listen, our task can't just be to get them, to show show them the fence. Listen, our task has to be to not only show them the fence, but to show them the path to get to actually get to the Father's house. Where they can actually embrace relationship with God as they journey through life. Let's pray. We're going to prepare to dedicate the kids. God, thank you for your faithfulness and your power. God, thank you that you are mighty and you are holy and you are good.
God, we surrender our hearts to you. God, as we walk through the journey of of this service and encountering you, I pray, it is my deepest prayer, as we walk through dedicating these families and kids, that you would stir our hearts with affection to see your faithfulness, to see your mighty hand, and that we would be led by your Spirit to the person of Jesus Christ. To not only know that you're near, but to actually get into your presence. God, thank you. We love you. We serve you. Would you be glorified in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Uh, so if you're one of, the, one of the six parents, why don't you, uh, the parents and, and your kids, come on up uh, to the front, if you would. There's a bunch of you, so kind of spread out across the, the front here, if you would, and facing, facing that way. Got a plan. So just kind of stand like right out here, um, kind of facing that way. Good job. You guys follow instructions well. You would all pass kindergarten. Way to go. Um, so we are, uh, we're, we're here in this particular position for a, a very specific reason, um, uh, if you've ever been a part of one of these before, we're, we're going to engage, they're going to engage in a covenant, and then we're going to give you an opportunity to also engage in a covenant. Uh, Joe, why don't you throw that, that first covenant up there? Um, so uh, parents that are up here in front of me, as, as I, I'll ask you these questions, that, that first one there, um, do you profess your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and affirm the promises of God made to you and your children in his word? If so, say we do. Uh, and then I'll ask these questions. Uh, will you covenant to live gospel-transformed lives before your children, to pray that they will be transformed by the gospel, to discipline them and show them grace, to instruct them by word and by deed in the truth of God's word, and to teach them and to pray for them and to teach them to pray? If so, say we do. I want you guys to engage what you just covenanted together with us and with your spouse and with your child. And, and I want you to, to see the very physical picture that's here. There are uh, loved ones behind you that are family members that share your name. There are people that are behind you who are members of your church who have gone alongside you, have prayed for what you're holding in your arms alongside of you. They have uh, nurtured your heart you have nurtured their hearts. Uh, you have spent time in community, time in Bible study, time in prayer, time in hurt, time in pain with the people that are standing behind you and sitting behind you. But the, the picture that I want you to see is that they are very physically and very presently behind you in this moment as you covenant with each other and with your God and with your children. Um, I want to pray for that idea and that notion right now. God, I thank you so much for the beautiful picture of community that you've given to us in this moment, God. I thank you for these lives of these precious children that are yours, that were created in your image, that were given to these parents as a gift to their hearts to bring happiness to them, to bring joy to them, to bring frustration to them. 
that all might point to you. God, and I thank you for those that are seated in these chairs behind us, God. I pray that you would encourage them to follow and, and to continue to pray and to nurture and to guide and to serve and do life alongside these parents and these children. Thank you for their willingness to travel um, many a great distance to come and support and, and stand behind their family and their loved ones. And thank you for this place called North Church as you've given to us to do community together and find you here. In Christ's perfect name, amen. Uh, so now I, I turn to you all, and we are now going to have a, an opportunity to covenant together with each other and with them and with our God. And um, we're going to have something on the, on, in front of us to read that, that I'll read together, very similar to what we just did with the parents. So if you desire to covenant with these families, and not just, not just the one that you love that's up here, not just the one that shares your name that's up here, we're going to covenant together as a family, as a community, to pray and to nurture and to guide each one of these parents and each one of these children. So if you would like to, to covenant with us together today to do that, I'd ask you just to stand where you are right now. <clears throat> this is our community covenant with them. Will you covenant in the presence of God and one another to live gospel-transformed lives before these children, to pray that they will be transformed by the gospel, to love and to pray for them, to encourage them and help to nurture them in the faith, to assist these parents in fulfilling their biblical responsibilities and to hold them accountable by confronting sin? If so, say we do. Yeah. Go to the next one there, Joe. Uh, this is one that I would like all of us to read, even, even parents, um, because you're not just covenanting with the child you're holding, but those that are standing shoulder to shoulder with you. So parents and congregation alike, let's read this together, um, our community covenant. With joy and thanksgiving, as Christ's church, with God's help, we promise to love, encourage, and support you as you follow Christ and parent your kids. Um, you can be seated again. Um, bear with me for a second. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray over each one of these families, um, uh, and I encourage you uh, to pray alongside or to, to pray silently or individually together. Um, but I want to come in front and, and pray for, for each of these children. And, and as I do, I, I want, like this whole morning, I said this at the beginning, this, this whole morning has been about these kids and this moment and, and parenting your kids and all that, but I want you to see it as a picture of the gospel, that we're here together as Christ church from near and from far and, and from so many different walks of life and from so many different areas. We're here together to see the gospel. Um, and I, and I hope that you don't just see this as a day with kids and smiles and happiness and, and brunch afterwards, but instead that the gospel on full display. Um, and as, as we pray and as you pray and as you sit, I pray that that would be the notion that's in, in your minds and in your heads. Um, so uh, let's pray. God, I, I thank you so much for the Gwyn family. I thank you for these three little boys. Thank you how you've blessed them. Uh, Lord, I pray that you would guide David and Jessica as they parent these three, and I pray that the gospel would be profound in their home and in their life and in their marriage, and as these, these boys 
rise up and, and, and grow up, God, that you would show them the gospel and show them the truth of your steadfast love and your mercy and your kindness and your tenderness, God. You are a beautiful and amazing God. I thank you for the Gwens and I thank you for this little boy. In Christ's name, amen. God, thank you for the Renads and I thank you for all that's happened to bring little Hattie in front of us today, God. I thank you for the struggles of... Uh, that this couple has had to, to find a job. I thank you how you've, you've blessed John and, and his new place where he's, where he's working, where he's raising, where he's supporting this family, God. And I, I pray for this beautiful little sweet girl that you would um, allow her to grow up in the gospel, allow her to see her parents love you and love each other and love the church well. And I pray that she would see a beautiful picture of the gospel. God, I thank you for the beautiful innocence of those perfect blue eyes, God. And I, I pray that you would uh, light her heart on fire for, your, for you and for your spirit and for your gospel. We thank you so much, so much for Jesus. And I thank you for little Hattie in Christ's name. Hey, guys. Hi, Emmeline. Hi, sweet baby girl. God, I pray for this beautiful little girl and I pray for this beautiful family as they love and cherish the gifts that you've given to them, Father. God, I thank you for a difficult season in their lives that show you as a beautiful and astounding and amazing providing God. God, I thank you for this beautiful little girl and her sweet innocence and the way that way that you've shown me that how much Megan and Travis love this little girl and how you've, you've provided for their life in a difficult season with this beautiful image of, of pure love and pure joy and pure hope, God. God, I thank you for these, these gifts that you've given to Travis and Megan through this little girl, and I pray that they would live gospel-transformed lives before this little girl. You are a beautiful and holy God, and I'm so grateful so grateful to have that you've brought Travis and Megan and Emmeline into the midst of North Church and um, this community. I thank you so much for Jesus. I thank you for this marriage that, that you have so obviously grounded and rooted and established in your love. We love you. We thank you for Jesus. It's in his name. Thank you for Mina and this beautiful, sweet little girl that she is. Hi. So beautiful, God. And, and her beauty reminds me of your beauty, God, and how you've brought these two together. God, struggle and, and, and difficulty and have, have painted this, this family, God, but you have brought hope and you've brought peace and you've brought love and courage and, and a future to these three, God. I'm so thankful that you have allowed us to get to spend some life together with these three, God. And I pray as this new marriage and this new baby blossom into full-grown beauty that you would continue to draw them into your gospel. God, I thank you for the family that's represented behind these two and how you're drawing them into your presence. God, I thank you for the sweet, gentle spirit of, of Devin as he leads his bride, Morgan. And, and God, I thank you for their lives and for their marriage and for their home. I pray that you would continue to 
bring these three together as a family. We pray that you would bless that sneeze, God. I pray you would bless this family. God, we say bless you when someone sneezes, but God, I pray that you would bless this family with your presence. You are beautiful and holy, God, and I pray that that would always be apparent and always be obvious in their home and in their lives. Thank you for the Coleman family in Christ's name. God, I thank you for the Joes. Thank you so much for the Joes. I thank you for, God, this is hard to pray, but I thank you for the struggle and the difficulty that my sister Katie had to endure to get here, Father, to hold this little boy and how you've shown yourself to be strong and faithful even in the midst of pain, God. But Lord, this is a joyful moment that we get to see and hold this little baby boy and we're so grateful. God, I'm grateful for how you've allowed the gospel to blossom in John as he leads this family, as he lays down his life for his bride as he raises this little boy for your gospel. God, I thank you so much for this family. I thank you for the picture of this little boy cuddling in his mom and now diving to his dad. God, I thank you. I thank you for the picture of of them both being present to to raise and nurture and equip this, this young man. I pray that you would show him your gospel, transform his heart by your gospel. Thank you again for even the pain, God, that makes this moment sweeter. May we focus in on you as the provider for our lives. In Christ's name, amen. Hi, Kunzis. Uh, God, I thank you so much for, uh, for little Danny and little Amelia, Father. God, the hardship that... Um, has been their reality but the love that is their reality God I thank you for all of those things God Lord I pray that um, we see the picture of your son Jesus Christ coming to this earth and entering into pain and hardship and difficulty with a steadfast and unfailing love God, I thank you for the picture of Dave and Danielle in the middle of that, God. And, and I thank you for their honesty and openness to, to, to say when they fail, to, to be less than you, God. God, but I thank you for their faithfulness to continue to pursue the truth that you have for their lives, God, and the calls you have for their lives, even in the midst of hard and difficult things. God, the picture of faithfulness, the picture of adoption, the picture of how much you love us is so profoundly real here, God. And Lord, and I pray that this would be a moment that Dave and Danielle would, would hold fast and would be burned into their brains, God. But I also pray that those standing behind here who share their name, God, but also those who share life with them would see how much you love us. Oh God, you love us so much. Thank you so much for Jesus. May your gospel be on full display this morning in each of these lives. In Christ's perfect name I pray. Amen.
You guys can go back to your seats and, and have a seat. We're not quite finished. So my prayer throughout these last few days and weeks would be that you would see the gospel on display. And, and I pray, even in this moment, yes, my eyes are open. I didn't say, dear God, but I'm praying in this moment that we would see the gospel on display. We would see how much Jesus loves us. It's such an incredible picture. And, and I don't think there's, there's a better picture in our worlds, in our life, than to see a mom and a dad laying down their lives, giving them the, of themselves to love, to cherish, and protect and provide for their children. And I hope that's on display for you. And, and more than that, not just that today is a day about seven little lives, but that's the context of the day. The real story that's being told here is Jesus. The real story here that's being told is Jesus, and he loves you no matter where you are. And the, the pictures that were up here of of difficult adoptions and, and miscarriages and hardships and, and, and different ways that, that allowed those six parents, six sets of parents, to be here standing before you. It's, it's a highlighter to the fact that wherever you are, whatever is happening to you in your world in this moment, whatever happened to you this week, it happened yesterday or the week before, happened in the past, and God has a future and a hope for you. And that future and the hope is to convince you of this truth, that he loves you more than you can ever imagine. Can you hear me say that to you today? God loves you more than you could ever imagine. And you're accepted more than you could ever imagine. And we do nothing. Like these children that they were holding did nothing to be loved. Except be. And that's you here today. There's nothing for you to do to gain or earn the love and trust of our Savior. It's yours. And that's a beautiful thing. We are going to stand in just a second, and Jeff's going to play some songs for us as we conclude this morning to engage our minds with that idea. And we have in front of you, this is, want to give you options here. Um, we have this table here, and, and we attach movement to the way we respond here at North Church. We don't want you to just sit. We want you to stand and move forward. We have baskets here. They're for our offering. That's for our members and our, and our regular tenders. If you're a guest of ours, we, like, we don't want your money. We, we don't. Um, but we do want to invite you. If you know Christ as your Savior, we want to invite you to come to this table and break of this bread on the plate and dip it into the bowl and partake, commune. It's called communion because we commune with a broken and resurrected Jesus Christ as we partake of this bread and this juice. All right? So if you have accepted Christ as your Savior, if you know him as your Savior, you are welcome at this table to stand in the middle of one of these songs and rise and come to this table and break the bread, dip it in the bowl, and commune with our Savior. Let me pray for that, and then we will uh, respond to God. God, thank you so much for this morning. I thank you for your gospel. I thank you for the way that your gospel has been on display. And I pray um, for those in this room that are very near to you and for those in this room that are very far from you, that your love for us and your provision for us through the death of your son, Jesus Christ, would be on full display. 
Now, your word says that this is love, that while we were still sinners, while we were still broken sinners, you sent your son to die for us. God, I pray that's on display this morning. God, now I pray that you would guide us as we respond. I pray that you would strike away awkward or discomfort or distraction or weird and allow us to engage with you, a beautiful and holy God. Thank you so much for Jesus. It's in his name I pray. Amen.